done. We're in Acts chapter 10 today, Acts chapter number 10, continuing our series after the resurrection of Christ and what took place. Acts chapter 10 for the main part of our thoughts today. Translating from one language to another can be a pretty difficult thing. There are cultural things that are to be considered going from one language to another. When our family went to Norway, it was obvious how difficult it can be to speak in another language. While I was there, going from house to house to visit various relatives there, I wanted to try to say thank you for whatever they did, just letting us in. And thank you in Norwegian is tak du. But if you want to say it with more feeling, you might say manga tak, which is many thanks. But while we were there, we learned another way to say thank you. Tos and talk for all. That's a thousand thanks for everything. And that's three ways to say thank you, and each one's a little different. But then there's another one. It's called talk for modern. And you just can't walk into somebody's house and say talk for modern. Oh, no, that could be awkward or even embarrassing. But there's a certain time when you say that. We went to Cousin Nils and his wife, Oddbjorg, and they invited us to dinner. And what a dinner that was. They started with fresh salmon steaks that they caught out of the Atlantic and with all the trimmings. The second course they served was moose steaks. They'd shot a moose, and they had all the trimmings with a moose steak. And all the time, Cousin Oddbjorg is saying, Spisa! Spisa! That means eat, eat, come on, eat. Well, for dessert, she served a three-layer cake, great big tall one filled with whipped cream and lingonberry. You don't know what that is, but it's good stuff. <laughs> when I was eating that big old piece of cake, she said to everyone, pointing at me, Eric doesn't eat much. <laughs> I've seldom been accused of that. Uh, so I could answer with that special thank you, Takfamadin. That's how you do Takfamadin. Thank you for the food. To which she would answer, that'll be coming, or you're welcome in a sort of way. That's a special thank you you can use after a delicious meal. You say, Takfamadin, that'll be coming. And I heard that many times growing up, so I knew when to say it and have it express exactly what I wanted to say. Stammon, salmon steaks and moose steaks and cream cake. <laughs> talk for modern, talk for modern. In our text today, we find language barriers. Something hard to interpret, and we'll have to think about exactly what it means when we come to it. Now, we've been studying the book of Acts, We've seen the birth of the church just before Jesus ascended back to heaven. He told his disciples, now go preach the gospel, start in Jerusalem, go to Judea and Samaria, and then I want you to go all over the world. But in the beginning, the whole church was centered only in Jerusalem. And then along came the death of Stephen and the major persecution of that early church. And that was ramped up, we found out, by a fellow named Saul, breathing out, threatening and slaughter against the church. 
But last week, Jesus himself, we saw, stepped in and Saul was converted on the road to Damascus. So Jesus called Saul to join the church. So now we got Peter, we got John, the disciples, Philip, and now Saul and others begin to go to various cities, moving out away from Jerusalem. And they would find in every city a synagogue, or that's the Jewish church in each city, and preach to the Jews about Jesus, and everything was going just fine. But suddenly a strange twist. Something happened that nobody was expecting. Acts chapter 10 now, in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So we meet a centurion. He's a Roman soldier of high rank. He, as a centurion, would be commander over a hundred men. And he'd be sent by Caesar to command the post in Caesarea, the city northwest of Jerusalem on the Mediterranean Sea. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, lived in Caesarea because he hated Jews and he hated to be in Jerusalem. So he chose Caesarea. And this man, Cornelius, is stationed in Caesarea. He's a part of what's called the Italian band, or that he's a true Roman, an Italian by birth, who came from Italy. But now here's a very unusual fellow, verse 2. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. When he came to live in Israel, he would have been an idol worshiper. The Romans made up their own gods, the ones they made up like Zeus and Mars and whoever else you can think of. Uh, uh, But when Cornelius got to Israel, he saw the temple, he saw the sacrifices there, he heard the prayers, he read the Old Testament, and he, sensing the emptiness of his Roman religion, became a convert. And he accepted the Jewish God Jehovah as the one true God. And he became, it says, devout or devoted to God. Not only believing in Jehovah, but also serving God in a very committed way. That was unusual among Roman soldiers. Remember, the Roman soldiers crucified Jesus gambled for his clothes under the cross and mocked him as he was dying. Normally, they were cruel, hard, callous men, but not Cornelius. Not only did he worship God, but it says his whole house, which would include all of his family and all of his servants which, as a centurion, he had many servants. So, he was a very positive influence guiding the people around him to be faithful to God. Now remember, my friends, not many Christians, even today, can say, me and my whole family and all my employees believe in God. That's quite an accomplishment. How did Cornelius do it? Two things it said he did on a regular basis. Number one, he gave alms, or he gave money to poor people 
who were in need. Most of those poor people were Jewish. And number two, he prayed to God all the time, it says. So he led by example, generously giving, constantly praying. So unusual, especially for a Roman soldier. Verse 3. He saw a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Cornelius is praying, he said, about 3 p.m., which was the time of the evening sacrifice. Always remember, Jesus died at 3 p.m., the evening sacrifice. So he's praying, and suddenly an angel comes right in his house, calls him by name. Later on, Cornelius would describe the angel as having shining clothes. That's a common description in the Bible used to describe angels. So this is actually an angel, a messenger from God, sent to Cornelius. He calls him by name, and he says, Your prayers and your alms have come up to God as a memorial. Now remember, this is an angel talking. This is how they talk in heaven. And you and I don't have a dictionary from heaven to look it up. What does that angel mean when he says you have a memorial before God? And how are we ever going to find out what it means? Well, we have another example. Jesus himself, the week before he died, would say the same thing about another person. When Jesus was anointed with expensive perfume by Mary... And everyone complained it was an expensive waste of money. Jesus said, this will be spoken of her as a memorial. So Mary and Cornelius have both done something called a memorial up in heaven. The actual word used comes from the Old Testament. Or when a sacrifice was burned. The smoke went up, and it was called a sweet smell to God. Of course, smoke doesn't necessarily have a sweet smell, but the hard attitude that gave the sacrifice was sweet to God. And so we have some explanations of this kind of thing. The same word is used in Philippians 4. I'm looking at verse 18, it says, I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. God was very pleased with it, so God was pleased with Mary's anointing, and now God is pleased with Cornelius his generosity, and his faithful prayers. So now we're getting to the definition of memorial. But let's add to it one more thing that helps us to understand better. I'm in Revelation chapter 5. I'm looking at verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within. They rest not day and night, 
saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. When he had taken the book, the four beasts, and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Up in heaven, certain things are considered to be very valuable. And they're so valuable that they are kept and they're stored. Carefully recorded and preserved. Understand this, my friends. Up in heaven, they keep track of prayers. Special prayers. And Cornelius had very special prayers. Why? Because everything he did was focused on others. Giving money generously for others in need. And so hear me well, Cornelius' prayers are carefully recorded and preserved because there's nothing selfish in Cornelius' prayer. And so, the day they were prayed, the time of day is recorded, the day of the week, the subject of his prayers is recorded, the content of his position, petition are all recorded and somewhere in heaven's book there's a book with Cornelius name embossed on the cover God was keeping track and God said this man pleases me very much and when I examine Cornelius record God said I see the generosity and all the prayers and I moved to do something special for him His prayers and his generosity have come up to be a memorial, a sweet-smelling savor, well-pleasing to me, says God. So I'll do a very special thing for Cornelius. I will reward him for his faithfulness by giving him a gift for his generosity. So let's see what God decides. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou ought to do. When the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called to his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. When he declared to them all these things, he sent them to Joppa. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Very simple instruction. Here's an angel come from heaven. Very simple instruction. Go to Joppa. There's a guy there named Peter. Bring him back to your house. Now it's about 30 miles away, straight south on the coastline to Joppa. So it's a good trip. It'll be a couple days. Here's what's so fascinating. Cornelius never heard of Peter. He doesn't know why Peter is supposed to come to his house. But he obeys immediately. He's a good man. He's a good soldier. No wonder he caught God's eye. And Peter down in Joppa is having his own prayer time. It's almost dinner time. And Peter is hungry. So God gives Peter a vision. A great big sheet comes down out of heaven with the four corners held up. And the sheet drops down in front of Peter. 
and the four corners come down, it's full of animals. And uh, some of them are pigs. And so God says to Peter, go ahead and eat. Spisa, eat. Peter says, I don't eat that stuff. I don't eat them unclean animals. And God says to Peter, if I say it's clean, don't disagree with me. And it happened three times. Sheep went up, sheep came down. Eat, no. Sheep goes up, comes down, eat. Three times, kind of a magic number with Peter, isn't it? He denied Jesus three times. He said to Jesus after the resurrection, I love you, Jesus, three times. And now three times, it seems what it takes with Peter, three times, if I say it's clean, don't call it dirty. So he's thinking about this. What does it mean? And there comes a knock on his door. Three men outside. They say, our master Cornelius has sent us to take you to his house. Peter says, who's your master? He says, he's a Roman centurion. Peter thinks, normally, I would never go to a Roman soldier's house. He's a heathen. He's a Gentile. He's dirty. And if I go to his house, I'll become unclean. But God just told me three times, don't you call something dirty when I say it's not. So Peter says, I guess I'll go. (laughs) And when he gets there, days travel back up, comes in the house, and Cornelius bows down to worship Peter. And Peter says, no, 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 no. I'm nobody special. I'm just a man. But here's the question. What do you want with me? Why am I here? (laughs) And Cornelius tells Peter about the angel visitor and the angel's instruction. And so he says, well, I guess you're here to tell me about God. Well, down to verse 34. Here's what he tells them. Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of person, but in every nation. He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, was published among all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We are his witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they slew and hung on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people, to testify it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. So Peter preaches to Cornelius and all his house about Jesus. Who was Jesus? What did Jesus do? 
what happened to him when he was crucified, how he rose from the dead. We have it called the gospel, is what we call it, story of Jesus. And Cornelius believed in God, but he didn't know about Jesus. Never heard that. And so God said, I'm going to give a special gift to Cornelius because his memorial has come up. The gift was the good news about Jesus. The gift was eternal life. And we see what happened in verse 47. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they prayed to him to tarry certain days. So Cornelius is the first Gentile, first non-Jewish person to accept Jesus and to be a convert into the new church. A very special man whom God honored by giving him a deeper knowledge of God, revealing to Cornelius God's wonderful plan centered in the work of Jesus. And so, my friends, will you consider with me today that there is a book up in heaven with your name on it? And each page is carefully dated. And God is keeping track. Do your prayers fill up the pages like Cornelius' prayers did? Or maybe there's a lot of blank pages in yours. Do your prayers focus on what you want for yourself? Or are they unselfish like Cornelius' prayers? Is your generosity clearly recorded like Cornelius's was? I wonder if you've caught God's eye. Do you pray like Jesus instructed? And do you say, thy kingdom come? Is your heart attitude a sweet-smelling savor to God? Let me pose you another question for your consideration from this story. Answer this. Why didn't the angel who came to Cornelius tell him about Jesus? Certainly he knew all about Jesus. So why didn't the angel just tell Cornelius all he needed to know about Jesus? Instead, the angel says, go get Peter. It's very clear that God wants people to tell other people about Jesus. He didn't give that job to an angel. So God is searching for willing workers, and he has made appointments between people who are searching and hungry for truth and longing for a better life and people who can tell them about the wonderful mercy of Jesus and the love that he has for them. He wants them to know, and he wants you to know from you, are you willing to keep his appointments. So you say, well, as soon as God gives me that appointment card like I get from the doctor, 
soon as I get the card, I'll keep it. No, no, no. It don't work like that. Doesn't work like that at all. It's you being willing. Peter went willingly to Caesarea, to Cornelius' house, before he knew why he was going. And he gets there and he says, what do you want with me? My friends, God is keeping track. Will your life come up as a memorial before God? Will you do the things that please Him and are sweet to God? I pray that the pages of your book are full, full of prayers and full of generosity and full of stories of obedience. May your life be a sweet-smelling sacrifice to Jesus. May God bless you as you fill up the pages of your book. And may you come to have a deeper knowledge of who God is and how God wants you to serve him. That's the story of Cornelius, the Roman soldier, the first Gentile who believed in Christ. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did there. How you brought these two together by your appointment, not theirs. We thank you for working that way with us. We think as we live our lives, we wonder if they're is a book that's full up above with our work in it and our prayers recorded that they might be saved and poured out in a vial of worship before God. Help us, Lord. We have a long ways to go in our labors. So help us that we might do the things that are pleasing to you, that we might be desirous that thy kingdom should come, that we'd be willing workers in that kingdom. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to turn your hymn books as we close to page 225. Page 225, standing as we sing, if you will, 225, take my life and let it be. Standing as we sing, 225, take my life and let it be. Page 225.
would be pure as we stand before you today. Touch down inside of us and help us to know that you are watching and keeping track of our prayers. Help us to know that and think about that and to make our prayer lives more full, to spend the time that we ought to do that. Spend those days, those minutes, those hours with you coming closer and nearer and dearer to you. And help us, Lord, whatever it is that you have set before us, help us not to say no to it, but to say yes. Lord, as Peter learned that lesson, we pray that we would do the same thing. Protect us, we pray. Watch over us. Be with us. Bring us safely back to this place. And help our hearts be ready to worship you as we do these things. Help us as we go out into this life to bring the gospel all of those around us. We pray for all of this in your name.